It is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand, last show of the week, and a good one at that. Bobby Nightingale Jr., new Twins beat writer from the Star Tribune, will join me here in just a few minutes to talk about his journey through uh, through the uh, onto the beat and how he got here and what his style will be as he starts to cover the Twins. Just an interesting backstory for Bobby, the son of a longtime baseball writer, Bob Nightingale, uh, with USA Today right now, and just a just an interesting guy to get to know. Really looking forward to reading his coverage in the Star Tribune as he gets going here. Uh, right about now, he's kind of had a little you know, chance to catch his breath, chance to get here from Cincinnati where he was covering the Reds, but. Hope you enjoy the conversation with Bobby, and I hope you enjoy reading his coverage and hearing him more on this podcast as the days and weeks and months go on. Um, We'll get to some other twin stuff here in just a little bit, including uh, an absurd comment that I heard uh, or read at least from Thursday's game, another loss to the Rays, another disappointing offensive output in that game. Um, their hitting coach, David Popkins, was quoted in that game, and I found it to be a little bit uh, over the top. I've got some comparisons to make there. An interesting quote, too, from Doug Minkiewicz not that long ago, former uh, Twins minor league manager, former Twins player, had some thoughts about the development of Byron Buxton. Uh, I'll get to some Lynx stuff at the end, too. They're, they're honoring their 25-year anniversary of being in the WNBA with an all all Lynx team, 25 best players in Lynx history. A lot of stuff coming up this weekend with that. First, though, what did I miss? Let's talk, let's talk Vikings for a little bit here. We talked Vikings on the Access Vikings podcast earlier this week, as one would on a podcast named Access Vikings. And at that time, uh, beat writers Andrew Kramer, Ben Gessling, and I were kind of talking about Dalvin Cook in couched terms, kind of you know waiting to see what was going to happen with him wondering, you know, when they would officially get rid of him. And it just kind of struck me at the time um, that it was kind of an odd conversation to have about someone who has been such a good player for this team over the past several years and just kind of how strange football is sometimes when we start talking about players of Dalvin Cook's caliber, um, you know, being too old or, you know, costing too much, things like that. It's just kind of the nature of sports. And now that it's you know being reported by our Ben Gessling that he, you know a trade or a release is going to happen for Dalvin Cook by the end of the week, and boy, we're pretty much right up the, right up against the end of the week. Um, this is feeling like it's you know closer to being official, not official official yet, but it sounds like Dalvin Cook, the inevitability that we've pretty much known all off season, particularly since they re-signed Alexander Madison, his former backup, uh, at a lower cost. Um, the Dalvin Cook would be gone. That sounds like it's going to be a uh, a reality, a confirmed reality here very soon. And you know, it just made me think about his tenure with the Vikings. And just you know, I, th- I think there was some disappointment sometimes with the injuries. You know, he came in in 2017 as a second round pick. He was off to a great start, but then was injured. I think in that fourth game of the season, where it really seemed like the year was going to go downhill they lost I think to the Lions in that game it was not a good loss they were two and two at the time so he did not get to participate in much of what turned into a charmed 13 and three season he came back in in 2018 you know played played 11 games he was pretty effective Um, you know injuries just kind of slowed him at various points of his career but 2019 through 2022 uh, even though he missed I think eight games combined in those four years he was over 1,100 yards each of those four seasons. 
He, you know, was a pro bowler each of those four seasons. He was more or less a, a workhorse for this team, even though he did miss some time with injury. He was he was a very good player for this team. Still just 27, about to be 28, and it just feels like, a, you know, in the NFL especially, a, a league with a definite salary cap, even though sometimes the money gets a little funny, you can kind of move move things around, the, the cap gets a little squishy. In a league like the NFL, where a guy like Dalvin Cook accomplishes so much, some people, I feel like we we tend to look so much at cap savings and, oh boy, um, you know, they could save this much on the cap if they release him, you know, almost $10 million if they get rid of him this year. And we don't look at his accomplishments. We don't look at what a great player he has been for this team and how much he will probably be missed. I know that the transition to Alexander Madison won't be that, you know, won't be that dramatic. I think Alexander Madison will give them some things that Dalvin Cook didn't. I think Dalvin Cook's certainly a more explosive runner, but let's not forget how good Dalvin Cook is how good he has been for this team. You know, unfortunately, his best year was probably 2020 when nobody could go to the games when he had almost 1,600 yards rushing, 16 touchdowns, more than 100 yards per game. Missed two games that season, would would have flirted with, you know, not maybe not 2,000 yards, but flirted with, you know, 1,800 yards at that pace. And every other year, like I said, he's been right around 1,100, 1,200 yards. Last year had 10 combined rushing and receiving touchdowns, a lot of big plays, a lot of moments where he helped them win, Miami, Buffalo, games like that where he was a key player in this offense. And, you know, I understand it. I get it. I think this was an inevitability. It still just strikes me as odd sometimes how we view players as assets instead of, you know, a generation or two generations ago where you'd say, Ah oh, man, like man, we're really going to miss Dalvin Cook. I don't feel like people are feeling that right now. I feel like people are ready to move on because they understand the economics of the NFL. They understand the realities of running back. So just taking a pause for a moment to appreciate Dalvin Cook, everything he accomplished here, if this really is the end as it seems like it will be, and you know, maybe trying to reframe how I think about these things going forward. Before we get to Bobby Nightingale Jr., a couple things caught my ear and my eye regarding the Twins. Um, number one, they lost again to Tampa Bay on Thursday. Again, that's you know Tampa Bay, one of the best teams in baseball right now. They've they've been red hot, but a sweep there. Twins, you know, lose again. The offense not good. I think seven runs in their last six games. Now that's a tough way to win, including five losses in a row. Um, Fall below 500 for the first time this season, still in first place in the American League Central, but that does not mean much to me right now. It's more the quality of play and the quality of at-bats, and that leads me to a quote from David Popkins, the Twins hitting coach. Quote, It definitely is a frustrating day talking about their game on Thursday. We probably had five to seven more barrels than they did today, and they got the win because they had a little more timely hitting. It's kind of been the story a lot of the year. Folks, I think we finally found the equivalent of a soccer coach lamenting having the run of play but not winning a match uh, or an NFL or an NFL coach complaining that they had the time of possession but didn't win the game or an NHL coach talking about outchancing somebody. Um, I get it. You'd like to be rewarded when you hit the ball hard, but you know hitting the ball hard is not the same as being a consistent offensive team. And this has not been anywhere near a consistent offensive team. And even if you didn't get the breaks one day, the overall breadth of results this season has been really bad. It's it's been 
it's been disappointing that you got a lot of guys struggling right now, a lot of underperformance. You've got too many games where you score two or fewer runs, um, including I think now it's six in a row. I think that they've they've been down under that number. So I get it that you would like to be rewarded on an individual day that you can feel like you didn't get the breaks, that it was frustrating. But um, let's not isolate on the number of barrels in one game the number of times you barrel up a baseball and hit it hard in one game compared to the overall body of work now other quote that caught my eye was from Doug Mankiewicz and this was from I think it was a podcast with AJ Pruszynski a week or two ago but I was just seeing it recently he's criticizing the twins for how they developed Byron Buxton I think this probably goes back beyond the current regime because you know Buxton drafted in 2012 brought up through the system um, Minkiewicz was his manager in the minors for a little while, and he's he's saying I'm surprising that Buxton is going doing as well as he has because to me we developed him in the worst fashion possible. Thankfully, he has just enough to he was just good enough to where his talent finally came out. I didn't I don't think that he's put it all together yet, and when he does, it's going to be epic. Now, uh, AJ Pruszynski, also a former Twin, asked for some clarity at that point. He said the number one thing you always hear in baseball is what. You got to make adjustments. Well, in Byron's case, yeah, you throw him heaters in Class A ball, he's going to kill you. We all knew the slider was his voodoo, was his kryptonite. For example, I put him in the three hole one night in A ball, and they're like, "You can't do that," and I'm like, "Why not?" And they're like, "We want him to hit leadoff." Minkiewicz continues. I said, "What's his number one problem? Off-speed pitches. You think he's going to see them in the one hole? If you put him in the three hole and he sees more sliders throughout his career before he gets to the big leagues, he's going to be better in the big leagues because of this." And he's like, well, his numbers will suffer now. (laughs) And Mankiewicz's frustration coming through in all this, a lot of this is water under the bridge, second-guessing, stuff like that. But I just thought it was interesting that many years after the fact, Doug Mankiewicz lamenting how Byron Buxton was developed with the Twins, who knows if that's playing a role with Buxton right now. His biggest issue, of course, is more staying healthy, and he's again on the injured list, even the, even despite their best intentions to keep him healthy by DHing him this year. Getting hit by a pitch the other day has landed him on the injured list. He was having a very inconsistent season before that. He's been much better at the plate when healthy the last few years than at the start of his career, but just interesting quote from Doug Minkiewicz, not absurd in the same way as the David Popkins quote, but both of those caught my eye as we think about a team struggling mightily offensively. MGM Wine and Spirits is the choice for savings, service, and a great selection of spirits, premixed cocktails, wines, and of course, ice-cold beers and hard seltzers. With over 30 locations throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, there's an MGM near you. Head to MGMWineAndSpirits.com to find a convenient location in your area. Get social. Follow MGM on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and trends. Make great moments with MGM Wine and Spirits, your locally owned and operated choice for over 50 years. Save time, save money. Shop MGM. All right, I am really happy to be joined today by... Bobby Nightingale Jr., one of our uh, not one of our our very newest um, writers on the Star Tribune Sports staff is going to help cover the Twins. One of our two Twins beat writers, along with Phil Miller, who a lot of you are very familiar with from numerous uh, appearances on this podcast and from reading him for many years in the Star Tribune and on StarTribune.com. But I wanted to take today to uh, introduce people who might not know Bobby as well to uh to to the audience here and just to to minnesota in general so uh bobby uh good afternoon good morning how are you doing well thanks for having me been a long time since i got the job a long time listener of this this podcast so <laughs> a long time listener since you got there I, I i like it i like it that's that's good enough we'll uh 
we'll we'll take it. Um, we obviously we want all the all the listeners that we've got, and I appreciate you uh, you listening, and of course being a guest today. Um, we'll start like let's start open ended a little bit. You you came here, you covered the Reds for several years uh, in Cincinnati. Um, how did you know? How did you get your your start? And we will get into your can get into your dad at some point. But just got, what what made you want to be a a ball writer, a baseball writer, and how did you kind of get on this path? Yeah, I mean, my dad was kind of he's probably the one who sparked at least I want to work in sports and kind of paved the okay I can see him doing it. Um, longtime columnist for USA Today, so kind of um, being able to watch him, it was like okay, this is kind of a a real path. There was a point where I wanted to be a broadcaster. That's what I went into college for. Um, the end of my college, that's when writing became a little bit more prominent. Um, and then out of college, my first job was an internship with MLB.com covering the Detroit Tigers. Um, in 2013, they ended up losing in the uh, American League Championship Series. But that was kind of first chance to be a true beat writer um, as the backup to their MLB.com writer, Jason Beck. And so that was kind of the first time I was like, OK, baseball it was always my favorite sport growing up. Um, and then being able to cover it for almost an entire season and a playoff run. It was like, okay, this is kind of what I, what I want to get back to. Um, after that, I covered high school sports for uh, four years in Lawrence, Kansas. Also covered some University of Kansas uh, football and basketball. Um, so got to see both sides of the spectrum, a bad football team and a great basketball team. Um, and then spent the last five years in Cincinnati. So um, that, that was kind of what I wanted to get back to was getting into Cincinnati. Um, that was my first true year, you know, our lead beat writer um for the Cincinnati Enquirer newspaper there so that, that was kind of the dream coming true uh getting the chance to be on that beat for five years um and then this opportunity a chance to come home was you know one I couldn't pass up and kind of another dream too just kind of I, I was never we, I, I was born in San Diego I grew up in Minnesota uh in Bloomington so but the twins I don't know if I'd consider myself like a diehard twins fan um, but the teams that I grew up with, you know, the Torrey Hunter years, Jock Jones, um, Christian Guzman. I mean, those, those are the kind of the guys that I grew up watching. Um, and so it's kind of cool to come back and be like, OK, I don't know if I always saw, foresaw myself becoming a Twins writer. Um, but coming back to the organization where it was like, OK, this is the this is the team I remember growing up with. When you're you know, when your dad has done something for so long and then you kind of explore kind of your own path and you know obviously you don't want to do everything he does or you don't want to just like say uh my dad's in it and so then I can be in it like how do you kind of separate obviously you know sharing you know talking talking baseball talking ideas talking about the, the industry the craft while also kind of charting your own path and being your own writer yeah I mean I remember in college it was always a thing where I, w- I would never kind of bring it up um, not that I would ever say I wasn't his son, but it was one of those, um, if, if someone didn't bring it up beforehand, it wasn't something I mentioned just cause it was kind of one of those, I wanted to carve my own path, um, kind of do things my own way. Um, baseball, like I said, was my favorite sport, but also college, huge college basketball fan. Um, so getting to cover that a, a few, few years in Kansas, that was kind of, um, a dream come true in that sense, but it was also, it, it's hard when it's kind of like, you see it every day. I read his stories probably for the last you know, 99% of his stories for the last, uh, for my lifetime, but probably the last 20 years, 99% of the stories he wrote. Um, when we talk on the phone, a lot of it, you know, centers around what you're writing, you know, baseball, kind of what we're doing. Um, so, I mean, it's one of those, it's kind of, you grow up with it, you're used to it. 
Um, but it was also one that I, I tried as much as I could to carve my own path. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I've kind of gained experience at every stop, whether it was high school sports, college sports, um, now working in MLB for the last six seasons. So um, feel, feel, feel like I have a lot of my own experiences. And then obviously having him as kind of a mentor, um, someone who I looked up to, and then having the chance to talk to him about stories. Um, so it's kind of like a full circle, uh, really cool um, family connection there. No, absolutely. And you said you, you, how long did you live in Minnesota growing up? It sounded like you lived in a few different places, but. Yeah, just uh second grade through, all the way through high school. And okay. then once I, once I hit college, I was there for one summer and then I, I haven't been back probably over a decade now. And now you're on a, I think I'm interrupting you right now on, on a, a house search or at least on a, on a place to stay search. I mean, this is, you know, you got hired, you, you got, you know, we, you were in the, got to the star tribune last week you're kind of moving all your moving all your stuff you've got a you know you've got a family how how hectic is kind of the the logistics of this especially kind of a what turned into a mid-year move yeah i thought because i had about a month between when i accepted the job and um when i was when i started the move to minnesota with uh my wife and one-year-old daughter and i I thought that was going to be enough time to get housing situated I, i was pretty kind of lax about it um, like in, uh, Cincinnati, we sold our house in one day. So, um, kind of had these grand expectations that everything would be pretty settled pretty quickly. But, um, as I've learned, the Minnesota housing market is not, uh, the easiest thing to maneuver. Um, so that's been, I think, I think we're over five or over six on houses we put offers on so far. So, um, still looking, still looking everywhere. Um, there's a lot of places that we're looking that I thought I would never live. So, um, n- not super desperate now, but the clock's definitely ticking a lot more than it was. Well, unfortunately, Bobby, 0 for 5 or 0 for 6 could put you right in the middle of the Twins lineup right now. <laughs> um, they're, they're, they're struggling, and I know you're not really fully immersed in the beat yet, but I know you've, you've done a few things already. You're kind of getting up to speed and kind of getting ready to, to fully launch here. Um, just early impressions of you know coming to a market where – you know the twins are obviously at a much different place probably right now than the reds are in terms of you know their ability and desire and you know wanting to thinking they can compete for you know in a, for a division title at the very least this season and maybe beyond um what what are your what are your kind of early impressions on what what you see with the twins this year yeah i mean it's one of those you always come back to pitching in my eyes i mean that's talking to guys who signed with the reds as free agents um, before this recent rebuild, it was always about guys were always drawn to pitching. Um, so the starting rotation that they have, I mean, losing Tyler Malley and losing Maeda and still not missing a beat, to me, that's something that's like, okay, that can carry you um, a deep postseason run when you have pitching like that. But um, the offense, it kind of reminds me of a Reds team a few years ago where um, 2020 Reds, all they could do was hit homers. They couldn't score any other way. Um, and the, the Twins kind of remind me of that where um, the, they don't realize – as much on the homer as the Reds did a few years ago. Um, but they don't really have kind of a diverse offense, especially when Correa is not hitting, when Buxton's kind of been streaky. So um, it's one of those, I, I think it's hard for fans to watch. And I, I understand coming in, it's like you can kind of sense the frustration uh, kind of around the team. But I, I think I, I, when you have a struggling offense, it makes a team so much less fun to watch um, compared to a team that if they score five runs and you get outscored, you can kind of live with that a little bit more. Um, but the twins, I feel like are so limited in terms of, they don't have a ton of speed. Um, they've stolen a lot more bases in May than they did in April, but, um, not a ton of team speed. They're not the greatest defensive team. Um, it was kind of built out slug teams. And when they're not out slugging teams, this is what happens where 
you feel like you're in every game. The pitching's going to keep you there, but um, definitely they probably, you know, I, I know their run differential says they've lost a lot more games than um, where they should be based off kind of how good their pitching's been. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good diagnosis of where they're at so far and surely plenty more to come as you get uh, get further into the beat. Um, you're probably familiar with a lot of guys on this team already because the Twins have made a lot of deals with the Reds in, in recent years. I mean, obviously, now Tyler Malley, you won't get the chance really to cover him because he's you know obviously out for out for the year and maybe you know that could be the end of his twins career but you know Sonny gray was on the reds they, they've made a few different deals with the reds um what what's the what's the scattering report what do you know about the guys that came over from cincinnati that are now here that you might be able to interact with again yeah i was joking with kyle farmer after uh their game last sunday where he was uh there was a bunch of reporters outside next to his locker after they lost um two to one to, to cleveland uh, just to talk about the offensive struggles. And I go, you're still the same guy. Everyone always shows up at your locker, no matter how well you did. And he goes, <laughs> he started laughing, but he, he was a huge fan favorite. Um, Kyle Farmer was starting shortstop for the Reds. Kind of, um, they were at a spot where they didn't really have a shortstop. They had guys playing out of position. He went there and did really well. Um, so he he was probably the most popular former Reds player that's on the team right now. Um, Sonny Gray, I remember when they traded him, it was, you know, it was a cost-cutting move for the Reds. Um, but also, I, I think he's kind of surpassed expectations in terms of um, just the success he's had in Minnesota, um, been healthy, pitching well, pitching deep into games. Um, I, that was kind of the one not issue, but the one question mark with in Cincinnati was, can he go more than five innings per start? And um, I, I think he's proving that this year. Donovan Solano was another former Red, um, kind of doing the same thing that he did last year with the Reds, where he, he can hit. Uh, not a ton of power, but just a guy who you can rely on for a good at bat. And Jose De Leon was another uh, former Red. Didn't have a lot of success in Cincinnati, but a good upbeat personality. Um, he, he was in the starting rotation for the Reds. Now he's kind of at the bottom of the bullpen for the Twins. But um, yeah, so it, it's nice it, coming in midseason, uh, trying to learn a new team, trying to learn familiar faces. At least it's like, okay, at least I, I remember where some of these guys came from. And same same thing when I was leaving Cincinnati, where it was like, Spencer Steer, former Twins prospect, uh, Christian Encarnacion Strand, Casey Legamina. So there's some former Twins and uh, the Reds that at least got I, I got to know. And it's like, okay, this is, you know, at, at least I know the deals kind of in and out from last year. As you, you know, as you start writing more, obviously, and you'll probably be talking to me quite a bit more too as time goes on. What, what should people expect from your coverage? How do you describe your kind of beat coverage style? Yeah, I, I tried to make it where it's a place where all diehard fans can go to, but also a lot of casual fans can uh, find something to read each week. Um, you know, at, at least multiple stories a week that they're going to find interesting. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to the draft is coming up next month. Um, twins having a top five pick. Um, so fans, I, I know like most college baseball players, high school baseball players are pretty unknown, but I think when you have a top five pick, uh, that changes the equation a little bit. So I'm excited to dive into that. Um, I, I'm big into prospects, just kind of from Cincinnati where they're rebuilding. That was such a big focus for them. So uh, looking looking forward to kind of adding that coverage to adding more prospects and just covering the team. I mean, I, I, Phil, Phil Miller, I've read him for a long time. He's a great beat writer, excellent writer overall, um, even covering court cases now uh, for Valley Sports <laughs> Deals. So. Right. Uh, lo- looking forward to compliment his coverage and just kind of adding another perspective and 
you know, ho- hopefully uh, giving fans another reason to subscribe to the Star Tribune. Get ready for more emails on Valley Sports North and how to watch the Twins than you ever would have imagined you could ever get. But it's it's an interesting subject. I mean, I I, I think both of us would agree that, you know, if, if this changes and it could change, you know, in the matter of a few weeks, if it changes in the middle of a season, even if it doesn't feel a lot different to a lot of viewers, it's going it, to it's a it's not only a kind of like how you watch the game thing. It's it's kind of feels like the start of what could be a shift in the the economics of baseball and kind of how they're trying to trying to structure the revenue, things like that. This is a this is a pretty big deal uh, that, that you know, I, I wouldn't have imagined a couple of years ago. Absolutely. I mean, it, you look, you hear Dave St. Peter say they're making over $50 million a, a season off the TV deal. I mean, that's I, I, I don't think MLB would be interested in producing the games if there wasn't a lot of money to be made through this. But you're saying you have to make up $50 million, um, you know, from a team perspective for a Twins team that's already committed a lot of payroll to a lot of players. I mean, that has to be like a little extra added pressure saying, OK, we this has to work. Um, fans have to. But I, I do think I mean, I, th- I think the biggest complaint I always heard was the blackouts, um, MLB TV, especially. And if you able to end that and allow fans that want to watch more opportunities to actually watch games, I, I think that's a good thing overall. Um, but, yeah, I, you wonder how it's going to how everything's going to change. Like San Diego's kind of already done it. But um, you hear like they're not going to do pregame shows for road games. And um, to me, that's just seems so foreign and um, you're going to change a lot of the ways people consume baseball. Um, and so I'm interested to see kind of how, like you said, it's kind of, it's kind of like you're on the ground floor of something that's about to change. A couple more things for you, Bobby chatting here with Bobby Nightingale, Jr. New beat writer at the star tribune covering the Minnesota twins. Um, I guess the, I guess the first thing I would ask you is, now that you've been back in Minnesota, like what what feels the same? What's what's different? What's the what's the best thing that you've done so far here? Yeah, I mean, just getting to see family—that's been the, mo- the probably the biggest thing. With a one-year-old, I, I hadn't been back in probably a year and a half. Um, so, I mean, it, that's probably been the the best thing. My mom still lives here. Brother and sister still live here. Um, so, getting to see them. But um, I, I would say through the housing search, just going to different cities, I, I realize now that. I based off a lot of cities based off how I viewed their high school sports teams, you know, when I graduated <laughs> high school, um, but going to like Farmington, I can't believe how built up Farmington is Maple Grove. Same thing. I mean, some of the expansion, some of these cities have had is crazy, but um, yeah, I, I, I just remember being like, okay, Edina, you know, I always hated playing Edina. So in high school sports, so um, Eden Prairie, same thing. So uh, g- getting to know the cities differently and, kind of more and in a more adult way um it's been kind of eye-opening for me too remind me which high school you went to bloomington jefferson jefferson okay you so you were a jefferson kid gotcha so that was would you how so were there who were the were there a lot of prominent athletes or was was it was cole aldrich would that have been that would have been before your time i would think right he was uh he was a senior when i was a sophomore okay so that was been pretty i mean that's and that's he went to kansas too although you probably missed him there too because he was probably gone right yeah, he was gone, but he won a national championship there, so he's back every year and kind of kind of a folk hero there, just because he he shut down Tyler Hansbrough in uh, the Final Four from North Carolina. All right, well, final thing, Bobby, I, I enjoy having this conversation. I'm sure we're going to do this a lot. You did, you had your uh, your own Reds podcast in Cincinnati. Do you do you enjoy this part of of the job? Do you enjoy the the talking? Because I know some writers they do it willingly and they do it well, but they don't always love it. Do you like uh, do you like the podcast format? 
I do just because I, I feel like there's some things that come across in writing um, that, that come off better when you're listening to it in podcasts, you can explain things more in depth. Um, you, know, you, you know, you have less constraints where it's like when you're writing a story, how can I fit it all into 700 words? You kind of lose not new nuance, nuance, but I, I feel like you can do go more in depth in podcasts. So I, I do enjoy this aspect of it and um, glad, glad to be on here. Enjoyed all the twins talk that you've had on, on the show for the past uh, month and listening to other podcasts, getting ready to listen to the twins. Other other the twins, the season that they've been having, it's almost been like every podcast has almost sounded the same where it's like, okay, they're pitching great, <laughs> but they're not hitting yet. And so uh, that, really? that's been funny kind of hearing all the episodes. We need to do we need them to do something different for a while, but it uh, I don't know like that kind of sixty games in two months in maybe they kind of are what they are, but we'll see. I'm looking forward to talking to you a whole lot more and following your coverage uh, in the Star Tribune and on StarTribune.com. Bobby Nightingale Jr., uh, welcome to the Star Tribune. Thanks for joining Daily Delivery today, and uh, we'll we'll talk soon. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed getting to know Bobby Nightingale Jr. a little bit better, and I hope you did too. First of many podcast appearances, I am sure he likes this uh, likes this format, like he just said, and uh, I I will enjoy talking to him more. And I hope his house search uh, continues to uh, to heat up more than the Twins' offense. I'm not sure what will come first: Bobby getting a successful offer on a house or the Twins scoring more than two runs in a game. Let's finish with the cooler. Minnesota Lynx had a game canceled or postponed earlier this week because of the fires and smoke and air quality in New York. That's where their game earlier this week was supposed to be. But the festivities this weekend should trump all of that. The uh, Lynx are honoring their all uh, their all Lynx team, their 25 best players. No surprise that the top five were ostensibly the five players who keyed those four championships in the 2010s. Lindsey Whalen. Um, Maya Moore, Rebecca Brunson, Simone Augustus, and Sylvia Fowles. All of those players will be honored in tonight's game and Sunday's game. The festivities kind of tied to both. But, uh, you know, congrats to the Lynx. It's going to kind of cool to see all of those players honored again. It'd be kind of cool to see some uh, some familiar, not too, not too far-removed faces, but, you know, definitely a different chapter with this team right now. And uh, so that should be a cool celebration all weekend long at Target Center. That'll do it for me today. Hope you enjoyed everything this week. Go back and listen to past episodes if you missed them. That is certainly allowed under the statutes of podcasts that uh, that I know exist. Enjoy a great weekend of weather. Enjoy all of your time. We'll be back at it again with Royce on Monday.